0: Further thoughts this evening on a closer walk. Appreciate Brother Tim leading these songs, Let Me Live Close to Thee. What a friend we have in Jesus. I have found a friend. He's the lily of the valley. I enjoyed that song this morning, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. It's one of my favorite ideals is to draw close to God. So, further thoughts, part two tonight. Remember from this morning, we said God desires to be close to us. He wants an intimate, heartfelt relationship with us. I remember Paul's words, don't you, from 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. He says... At my last defense, no man stood with me, all men forsook me. Nevertheless, the Lord, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, and he will deliver me. So God wants that relationship, and I have to ask myself, do I want it? Do I want to be friends? And this is possible because of Jesus, as we said uh, this morning, this focus on these in these songs, is all about the friend we have in Jesus. Matthew eleven nineteen 19 refers to Jesus as the friend of sinners and how grateful we are. We wouldn't have a hope at all if it wasn't for his being the friend of sinners. And our emphasis tonight is we are as close to God as we choose to be. That's our focus tonight. We are as close to God As we choose to be because James 4 and verse 8 says draw nigh to God and he'll draw near uh, to you. We're as close to him as we choose to be. So let's focus this evening on four choices. Four choices. Choice number one, I must choose, okay, I must choose to be honest with God. If I'm going to be a friend with God, I must choose to be honest with God, that is, completely, totally honest with Him. God doesn't ask us to be perfect, but He does ask us to be honest. If it was perfection that He was demanding, then all of us would have no hope. We would, there would be no friendship uh, with God. He doesn't ask us to be perfect, but He does insist that we be honest with Him. People in the Bible who were faithful to God were honest with him. Think a minute with me about a a man in Mark chapter 9, 22. Mark 9, 22, you might recall Jesus comes onto the scene. His disciples had not been able to cast this demon out. This man that we're talking about, this man, it is his son. It is his son that has the demon. Jesus' disciples, because of their lack of faith, has not been able to cast out the demon. So Jesus talks to this man, this father, this father, this daddy. He talks to this daddy, Mark 9, 22. How long has your son been in this condition? Well, ever since he was little. And then the father asked Jesus, and, and listen to these words. He says, if there's anything you can do, if there's anything you can do, and Jesus picked up on that word, if, and he repeats it to him. He says, if, you, if I can. What do you mean, if I can? All things are possible with God. And then the, the father, just as honest as the day is long, the father looks at Jesus and says, I believe, help my unbelief. You see that there, Martin? I believe, help my unbelief. Boy, that's just as honest as... Have you ever said that to God? That's, that's honest. That's honest. We think about the prodigal as he finally came to himself in Jesus' story in Luke 15. He came to himself Luke 15, 17. And he decided, here's what I'm going to do and here's what he did do. He said, I'm going to go home to my father. And I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven. And I'm going to say this. Make me as one of your hired servants. I'm no, lo- I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Boy, that's, that's coming clean with God. That's honest. That's, that's what it takes. If we want to be friends with God, that's what it takes. You remember 2 Samuel 12 that uh, God sent the prophet Nathan to talk to David about his sin with Bathsheba. And against Uriah the Hittite. And boy, when David heard it, 2 Samuel 12, 13, he just said, I have sinned. I have sinned. A little commentary on that is found in Psalm 32. I want to read that. Psalm 32, verse 5. Okay. Don't panic, just one verse. Psalm 32 and verse 5. David said, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. If we could just have more people as honest about their sin as David is here, then, then it just the, the increase of spirituality, the, the deepness of our faith would just, um, would just be evident uh, to all. So God requires us, not perfection, but, but certainly he requires, he requires honesty. He does. And so He's not looking for us to be perfect, but He is looking for us to be authentic. Okay. He wants us to be authentic with Him, sincere with Him. You know, Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Cast all your care upon Him. Open up your heart to God. That's what He wants. If we want to be a friend to God, we've got to be completely open and honest with Him. Honesty is hard to come by today, even in the church. Hard to come by. It is a failing quality, even among the best of us. Jesus wants us to be authentic. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. You remember as He's teaching us to pray He says, don't make long, pretentious prayers. Your your father already knows what you have need of before you ask. He he doesn't want predictable, pretentious prayers. He wants us to be sincere and honest. He wants to hear our true feelings. Not what we think we ought to say and think. But what we truly think. So we can start to truly grow uh, with him. The Lord is asking for honesty. I encourage all of us to read the Psalms. I've got several passages from the Psalms that I have marked about honesty, but I'll just leave it up for you to find those because it's so important. I must choose first of all to be completely honest with my with my God if I want to be friends with him. One thought that has come to me is, you know, when Paul was working in the city of Ephesus, it's recorded in Acts 19. If you look down to Acts 19, that they were preaching the word and they had all kinds of opposition, but still the Lord was with them. And it says, many of those that believed came and they confessed their sins and they they brought, they brought confessed their deeds. Evidently, some of the Christians in that area of, of Ephesus have begun to drift back into some of the ridiculous religions that were um, among the heathen in those days and they heard Paul preach and they, they saw the works of God and they examined their own heart and they came confessing their sins and bringing their, confessing the deeds they've been doing. They even brought the books that they had been um, inquiring, the books of, of, um, that had to do, that were associated with these different religions these spiritualist books, and they came and burned them. Burned them. In other words, they were saying, Yes, Lord, you have been right. You are right. I have been wrong. And here is my confession. I acknowledge my sin to you. Here is is one thing I'm doing. I'm going to burn these books and turn away from all of this. Okay. So I must choose to be honest with God. The second choice I must make is, I must choose to obey God. I must choose to obey God uh, in faith. We obey God because of the example of Jesus. Don't we love it when we read in Matthew 3, 17, Jesus has come to the Jordan to be baptized of John. And God speaks from heaven and says, This is, this is my beloved Son in whom I am, in whom I am well pleased. Well, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but it shows us that all those years of silence, all those 30 years, we we hardly know much at all about Jesus from when he was real little, a little episode there when he was 12, but we don't know much. But we do know this, all those years he was obedient, he lived obediently. He was obedient to his Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, we are... We can be. We can be friends with God, but we are not his equals. We are friends with God. Okay, we're still thinking about this idea here. Okay, it's ideal. I must choose. I must choose to obey him if I'm going to be his friend. But we've got to remember that we can be friends with him, but we'll never be his equal. We're not his equals. We referred to Ephesians 4 and verse 6 this morning. Actually, Paul is speaking about the ones there in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, if you, even as you are called, and one hope, if you're calling, one Lord and one faith and one baptism. And then he gets to God. One God and Father of all, and I notice this, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But first of all, God is above all. He's above all. We are not his equals, therefore... We must obey Him. Romans uh, nine twenty one, speaking of, of our God, says, The potter has a right over the clay. And we believe that. We're not the potter. You're not the potter. I'm not the potter. We, we are the clay. The potter has a right over the clay. And so we obey Him because we are not His equals. But if we're going to be friends of God, we've got to obey Him. Listen to the words of Jesus. Maybe you've already turned to this passage, John fifteen fourteen. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I, whatsoever I have commanded you. Okay, so you see it there. We must choose to obey God if we're going to be close to him, if we're going to be friends uh, with him. We obey him because of what Jesus says there. We obey because of the example, example of Jesus. And we obey because we're not his equals. He, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28, verse 18. Now, as friends of God, we're still on obedience. Okay? As friends of God, we obey out of our heart. Okay? Now, you might say it this way okay? we obey because of what Jesus said there in John 15, and 14. Okay? And we obey because the example of Jesus is so tremendous. Okay? And we obey because we're not his equals. But we obey because our heart is conditioned to obey. Those who truly obey, okay, notice this little development. Those who truly obey have a trusting heart. That is, we obey because we trust that he knows what is best for us. Okay? Is, is that your thought toward God? That you obey because you trust that he knows what's best for us. Okay. Trust. When I think of trust I, th- I always think of Isaiah 26 3 and 4 where it says he will keep He will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord for he is our everlasting rock. That's Isaiah 26, uh, 26 three and 4. And so we obey out of a trusting heart okay We trust that he knows what's best for us but we also, we obey out of a thankful heart. We obey out of a thankful heart because we're thankful for what he has done for us. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 verses 9 and 10, it, he said he was, it was not even proper in his mind to call him an apostle because he had persecuted the church of God. But he, but he said this in First Corinthians 15 verse 10, he said, but by the grace of God I am what I am. That's, that's thanksgiving. By the grace of God, I am what I am. See, he obeyed out of a thankful heart. And that's what we do. That's exactly what we... 1 John four nineteen says, We love because he first loved us. That's right. He first loved us, therefore we love. We love. So we obey out of a trusting heart. We obey out of a thankful heart. But we also obey, and this is huge, we obey out of a broken heart a broken heart. Whatever could you mean by that? Well, let me give you some verses and for time's sake, you know, we don't want to go way long, but for time's sake, I'll just mention the verses to you, okay? Here are the verses, Psalm 34 verse 18, Psalm 51 verse 17, Isaiah 57 verse 15, okay, Isaiah 57:15, Psalm 34 verse 18, Psalm 51 verse 17 all speak of how that God draws near to those of a broken heart. A broken heart. Okay. Now that is a heart that is broken by sin. And this person's sin has been made aware to him or her. And all the pride, all the pride is just drained out of that heart. And now that person with a broken heart has just, is just before God saying, Lord, Lord, here I am. What must I do? See. God draws near to those of a broken heart. This makes perfect sense. For one thing, Jesus there in Matthew 5 and verse 3, Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And then right after that, he says, Blessed are those that mourn. So the two go together. Okay. The poor in spirit is that humility. And those that mourn are those who mourn over their sins. They they mourn over their condition because of their sins. You put that together. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And you've got some good attitudes being formed there. Okay. So having a broken heart. And it is the awareness of my sin and what I've done against God that has broken my heart. Having this broken heart is so vital to obedience. A person will not ever truly obey unless their heart is first broken. Broken. This makes good sense because when you run back to James 4, it talks about drawing near to God. and He'll draw near to you. Around that verse, that's James 4 verse 8. Around that verse is all all about humility and mourning over your sin. Verse 6 talks about how God resists the proud, James 4 and verse 6. And then James 4 verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he He will lift you up. But right there in the midst of that, He says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Why? Because... Your hands are dirty. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. See that all there in James 4? Okay. Be afflicted more than weak. Why? Because you're double-minded. Because your hands are dirty. Humble yourselves. Okay. Get that broken heart in place. And then, then we're ready to obey. And then we're ready to come close. To God, don't you see how this works together? First of all, we must choose to be honest with God, and then secondly, we must choose to obey God. The third choice, drawing close to God this evening. The third choice is we must choose to value what God values. We must choose to value what God values. This is what friends do. This is why we're automatically friends, or at least we should be. Okay. What makes us automatically friends? Well, First John 1 verse 7 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So you've got one person over here, and they're walking in the light of God's Word, another person walking in the light. That's, that's a common interest. Okay. You see, people become friends because what's important to the other person becomes important to you. As Christians, we're automatic. Best friends. Well, we ought to be. We ought to be because because we we share faith in Jesus. We we share salvation uh, together. You know, in Acts eighteen, we read of Paul's travels and he joined forces with Aquila and Priscilla, and they they shared a common faith, but they also shared a common trade. What was that? It was tent making, wasn't it? It was tent making, and so we. We must choose to value what God values. And again, we look to Jesus for a great example of this. Now, are you even in the mood to, to see a prophecy fulfilled? Okay. Well, here's one. Psalm 69 verse 9 just simply says, okay, Just simply says, that zeal for the Lord's house has, has consumed me. This is David writing. But zeal for the Lord's house has consumed me. Now where is this fulfilled in the life of Jesus? When and where was this fulfilled? You probably remember John 2, 13 to 17, where Jesus walks into the temple area. And, they, and what are they doing? They're in there and they're, they're selling sheep and they're selling oxen. They're selling, they're selling uh, pigeons. And they've got some um, money-changing tables set up. You've got the money changers there. And what did Jesus do? Well, he took, he took a... a, a, a um, he made a whip of cords, and uh, he run them out of there. Run them out. Can you imagine what kind of Facebook presence that would have today if, if Jesus did something like that today uh, in our society well, that's what he did. Why did he do that? Because he had the same sort of zeal for the Lord's house, for the Father's house, as as the father had. You see, he had the same sort of zeal for the Father's religion as as the father had. You see, in fact, he says there in John uh, two, uh, thirteen and seventeen. He says, don't make my Father's house a house of merchandise. Don't make it a house of trade. And then the verse is added there in John 2, 17, that this, was, this made the disciples think about Psalm 69, and verse 9. But the, the idea here is that Jesus had the same zeal as the Father had. And that's why we read in John 10, verse 30, that where Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They were one. Because they had the same values. And if we want to be friends with God, we've got to value what He values. Now the simple question is, what does He value? What does He value most of all? We know this almost in an instinctive way. But 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, God would have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. That's what God values. He's already proven that on the cross. He values this above everything. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, Luke 19, verse 10. Here's the deal. Friends of God tell their friends about God. Do I value what God values? Are you, are you, saying, are you saying that... Um, That I can't be a friend of God unless I am willing to tell others about God. Yeah, that's exactly what is being taught here. So if we want to draw close to God, what do we got to do? We got to choose to be honest. We got to choose to obey. And we got to choose to value what he values. And then our final choice we'll mention this morning, this, um, this evening, is to choose this friendship above all others. This friendship with the Lord. We must choose this friendship above all others. I just want to share a couple of my favorite verses. Psalm 27 verse 4. Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing, David said that he asked. One thing that he asked. And here's, here's how he said it. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then he said, and that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And then he said, and that I might be able to inquire in his temple. But David had this one desire to be like God, to be with the Lord. And that drove his life, that, that consumed his life. We must desire this friendship above all other Uh, friendships and I think about Paul and I'm going to turn over here to Philippians 3 I think about Paul's desire for this friendship with Christ I know pretty good Philippians 3 and verse 10 where Paul says his his ultimate goal his ultimate goal was to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings Okay. I also want to read from Philippians 3 and verse 8 where Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Those are the kinds of words that you just read over and over again because Paul illustrates, Paul explains, Paul Puts words to the thoughts that ought to be in our hearts. We've got to desire it more than anything. So those are the four choices that we, that we must make. And we go back to our first statement here. We are as close to God as we choose to be. It does not happen by accident. It must be intentional. So how much do I desire it? How much do you do? You, do you desire? How much am I willing to give up? What is it worth uh, to me? Paul said it's worth everything. This friendship, this knowing Christ, is worth the entire world. He he was willing, and basically he did give it all up for friendship with Jesus. Well, I've enjoyed today thinking about a closer walk with God. It may not. He helped anybody but me, but that's worth the time to me. As I said this morning, I believe these thoughts are some of the most valuable thoughts that we will entertain all year long. All year long. Because it speaks to a personal walk. It speaks to a lifestyle of drawing close uh, to God. And it speaks to the church. He speaks to the church. You know. The church is a group of individuals who have made themselves friends with God. And they come together to worship that God and to do as much good as possible. It really is not any more complicated than that. But each of the people first must make themselves individually, each a friend of God. And then God puts them and adds them to the church. And we can encourage each other on our way. And we can go to other people, go to our friends, friends of God, tell their friends about God. It's made possible by the death of Jesus. And when we obey and, and submit to Him, then we become part of that death. Paul says we're baptized into the death of Jesus, Romans 6, 3, and 4. Why is that so necessary? Because as we mentioned this morning, God is holy, holy, holy. And then look at us. It's impossible to bridge that gap on our own. There's only one way, and that's through our Lord Jesus. What a friend we do have in Jesus. Will you come home to him this evening, even right now, as we stand together as we sit.